Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports as Audit. Mr. Logical. Your jersey. Stand up. And I'm your boy, 2-5. Tonight, we move on to the other South, the AFC South. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Houston. Who's going to win it? What are our takeaways? And then we're going to take you around the league because there's some rumors that are starting to heat up. But of course, first and foremost, we're going to get you started with getting it off my chest. But Mr. Logical, what is the word? I got a positive one today. I just saw it earlier. I want to throw it out there. Uh, Shakiri Richardson won the 100-meter dash, the world championships. She did. Yeah, 10.65. Uh, people counted her out with the weed at the Olympics, uh, which is pretty ridiculous because I'm like, if you want to smoke weed and potentially make you slower because it's not going to definitely make you faster, it's not going to give you a competitive advantage. Uh, but that's just the hypocrisy of – drugs and doping and the, the IOC and all these other different organizations. I mean, you can see the movie Painkiller on Netflix or the TV show Painkiller on Netflix shows another level of hypocrisy. We're, we're out in Utah with the whole opioid addiction. So we understand the hypocrisy of drugs and recreation mm-hmm. or whatever that may be. But shout out for somebody because everyone was counting her out. And then a couple of like about a month ago when she was at a qualifier and she took that wig off and she threw it in the track. <laughs> and she came out one. I don't know how long a sprinter's, you know, longevity lasts. I know Hussein Bolt is a kind of an anomaly. I don't know if she's going to be ready for the next Olympics, but I mean, right now she's world champion, so you can't take that away from her. So shout out to Kari Richardson, world champion, women's 100-meter dash, 10.65. Yes. yes. Save women's sports. Congratulations. You know, uh, so I... You know, I hit you with some positivity, you know, last time. You know, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get negative. I'm not going to get negative. But what I have here today is a call to action. And what I want is to defend America. Not in that January 6th kind of way. You know, but MLS you don't let this man come over here and win the league's cup like that. He ain't even stretched though. <laughs> you don't let Messi come over here and he probably already the best player in MLS history. He ain't even stretched though. <laughs> now I mean D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, I look back, I look back, you know, like um, I admit I'm not gonna sit up here and act like I'm Mr. MLS. You know, I do keep up with it, you know, Real Salt Lake all day, you know, but I do remember David Beckham coming over. You know, I remember all the fanfare, the craziness, Bendit like Beckham. His yeah. wife was a Spice Girl, you know, saying like she wasn't the prettiest one, but she was still a Spice Girl. They made you a movie I mean? like Beckham and he wasn't even in it. Yeah. And <laughs> and so, you know, but, you know, he didn't come in like right away and take the galaxy like to the top. He didn't take them to the galaxy right away. You know what I mean? He he had an impact, but you know what I mean? It was nothing like this. You know, uh, Theory Henry came over, 
you know, never made the MLS Cup final. So MLS, I am imploring you, do not let Inter Miami come back from last place and come back and win this damn league. Now, with that being said, with that being said, call to action, right? 2026, World Cup is coming up. America, get on the soccer train. You know, I know a lot of you don't like the 1-0 games, the 2-1 games and all that stuff. But I promise you, it's exciting. It's passionate. Once the crowd gets into it and the music starts playing, the chanting's going on. It just I takes believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. I mean, it's just yeah, it's, it's just, a world sport. Give it a yes, shot. It's a world sport. And, and you know, we think about basketball. We think about the dream team and dominating all that kind of stuff. Our women soccer team usually goes out there, kicks a lot of ass. You know, it didn't work this they time They come back around. with some kind of trophy pretty much every every other tournament. Yeah, so now I'm putting the call out to America. The World Cup is coming here in 2026. Let's show something. Let's show the progress that we're making in soccer. And for two MLS teams, y'all need to figure it out. Is Messi LeBron James? Do you want him to be the scorer or do you want him to be the creator? You got to make a decision. Like you got to you got to pick one. He can't be both. But it's gonna be everything. But shout that out dude to, is so much better. Yes, he is. Shout out to Inter Miami. Shout out to Messi. You know, they came in, won the uh, League's Cup. But I think even just as impressive as that is that it was an All-American final. You know, they beat Nashville in the final. So that made my heart happy. You know, <laughs> But MLS, please don't let this dude walk into your league and walk away with a trophy in year one. <laughs> That's all I ask. Yo, Ibrahimovic came in in his first game and scored probably the goal of the season. <laughs> These guys are just, they're just, I don't know, just, they're. It's I, their sport. We talked about it now. You'd be like, they're just better. They're yeah, just they're so just much better. better. But, but, I need, but I need these teams to just represent, you know, I know every, I know there's still other European players in the MLS and all that kind of stuff like that. But the point being, is that MLS is an American league that I would like to see some top flight American five. Yeah, be, be within a top five. Because like right now, I don't know if I can confidently say MLS is a top ten soccer league in the world. You know no, what I mean? Not. Like because so, every so, European country has their own has one or two leagues. Yeah. So like, each one of those leagues between yeah. the Bundesliga, La Liga, uh, Premier. Premier League, then you know, so you have like the Italian with Juventus, and then you have Spain in their league, and you have Germany in their league, you have England in their league, and France in their league. Yeah, and then they have leagues that are getting relegated to. Yeah, I don't even think MLS is better than like because I think the Premier League is the best, but I don't even think that MLS is on the level of like League One, which is the league right under there, and you know, maybe not even League Two. They so, MLS is our league. I don't need to be league, better yeah. than Europe. I just need right. you to, to come up because the host nation is an automatic qualifier for the World Cup. It's like right. part of the part of the package of getting a host of World Cup, your country automatically gets in. 
So I don't know if it's going to be Canada, United States, and Mexico, because I know they're playing games in all uh-huh. three countries. So I don't know if the United States gets it or no, all of North America gets a team. You know, the, I'm pretty sure that all shake out eventually. All I know is there's got to be some aspiring running backs out there somewhere. Some fifth string running backs. Yeah, come on. Hey, all the five stars that went to Alabama, you know, a few of y'all ain't going to play. Get out here on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're a six five wide receiver. You'd be a great goalie. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I wanted to get off my chest is that, like, look, MLS, just have some pride and don't let this dude run roughshod all over your league. Oh, that's what he's going to do. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. So, on that like, note, like man on fire, Creasy's art is death. He's gonna paint his masterpiece <laughs> of Mexico City. If you if you've been watching TV, then you know just about everybody is picking the Jaguars to run rough shot all over the AFC South. So, Mister Logical, you join in the frenzy. I would say. I'd say yes. Okay. Um, mainly because I think they are of the four teams in the division, they're the only ones that aren't in the middle of a rebuild. They're in the they're in the 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 precipice, as you sort of speak, of their like, you know, their evolution. Because the 27 point comeback last year against, you know, the Chargers. And then playing, granted, Mahomes was injured, playing Kansas City to a one-possession game with odd turnovers. Like the uh, the guy, the number 39, I forgot the running back, he had like an odd fumble when he was by himself. Like he caught the ball and he went to make a move and he just dropped the ball. You know, so like it's like they had like a couple of odd turnovers like that. I would have blitzed Mahomes a little bit more after that ankle when he was hobbling at least to the point where Andy Reid would have to consider putting Chad Henney in. But I think that kind of experience of the success of coming back from 27-0 or being down 27 points, your quarterback who hadn't thrown multiple picks in a game for months to throw four and then come back and throw the touchdowns and win the game and win in the dramatic fashion they did. And like I said, and then to go toe-to-toe with the eventual Super Bowl champions – on the road at Arrowhead, which is like Guinness Book of World Records' loudest football NFL football stadium. Yeah, they even stole Florida State's war chant. Hey, listen, they're the only ones having, you know, they're not going <laughs> to change their name, so you might as well keep it going until they make you change your name. But like I said, I, I like Jacksonville. I like Calvin Ridley coming back. I know he's missed two years because essentially he played a handful of games for the Falcons, and mm-hmm. then he took his mental health break. And then he was suspended for all of last season. Yeah, I got it here. His last game, his last game played was October 27th of 2021. Yeah. So that's two years. And people always say, oh, it's two years. He's going to be, but I'm like, he's still two years young, hasn't been tackled in two years. Like we just, what we're watching the preseason game right now on my iPad, Commanders versus Ravens. And Scary Terry McLaurin just got, carted off the you know had to walk off the field because his ankle got rolled so you know calvin really doesn't have those injuries doesn't Mm -hmm. have that nagging stuff so he got two years of heal hopefully he'll mentally hopefully he you know recovered because like i said falcons fan 
I always liked them. I thought the one-two punch of him and Julio were—they were going to be the best, the one best one-two punch in the league. It didn't work out that way. Julio's injuries, soft tissue. Shout out Chris, take the shot. Uh, so Julio's injuries with Calvin Ridley. I like what Jacksonville did because we were talking offline. Because uh, me and Mike talk about sports forever, and we were talking, we were doing. A, I was doing a college football comparison about how college football teams normally have a window. Certain teams are anomalies, like a lot of these teams down south in SEC are anomalies, having three, four, five, six, seven years of championship rounds and championship caliber teams. It's an anomaly because it's the ebbs and flows. You get just some guys in and they leave. So with Jacksonville, the past couple of years, they've been getting free agents. They got Foye Luacan. They got Ingram last year. They drafted. Uh, Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago, they had the bat, you know, bad coaching hire with Urban Meyer, and then he tried to hire the strength coach, and then they got rid of the people that were going to cause them problems, and then said, "Let's make it happen." Started them from week one. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big proponent of starting rookies just because, but they had no other option. Number one pick overall, go with it. They drafted the defensive end last year, number one overall. So I think they they built the team for a young quarterback your blue chip star quarterback to lead and i think right. they put all that together right. so that's why i'm i'm picking jacksonville to win it won't be crazy they won't go like 13 and 4 but i think you know 11 and 6 they'll look like an 11 and 16 they it won't they won't wing it like sometimes we felt with the minnesota vikings when they're 13 and 4 run last year well you know um old saying scared money don't make money <laughs> and and you know I like Travis Etienne, you know out of Clemson. You know he came on last year, had a breakout year. I expect him to only get better from this point. You know uh, Christian Kirk came in, you know from Arizona, and I remember early last year in the sports group, you know we were talking about is he going to get a thousand yards? You know, and I was like, yo, he's that good. Like he may not get a thousand yards, but he's good enough to get it. You and know, he got paid a lot of money, so that that raised a lot of eyebrows because he got right. he got a he got a nice little bag. Right, Ingram was a big major pickup for Jacksonville, you know, and Jacksonville also has the other Josh Allen, you know, who makes the real Josh Allen's life a living hell whenever they match up. Booking defensive players, but with that being said, I'm going with the Titans, and you know, so. I know the problem is, you know, this is the NFL. So, you know, it's hard to stay in first. You know, we've seen it. We talked about the NFC South before, you know, year to year. There was a lot of commotion with teams going from worst to first. So this is what I'll offer to get it started, to get the conversation started. So last year, Tennessee and Jacksonville came down to the last game of the season. You know, they were six and six with Tannehill as their quarterback, which is obviously by no means great or a reason to write home about anything. But they were still in the hunt for the division. They were still in the hunt in the playoffs. And then they went one and five without Tannehill because they had to play Malik Willis, who obviously wasn't ready yet. You know, Josh Dobbs, they went and picked him up off the scrap heap. And he came in and played some admirable football but in the end just wasn't good enough to get it done. So so even with their flaws, they were right there knocking on the door of the playoffs last season. 
Um, I think that their defensive line is one of the best in football. You know, I would say top four to five-ish in football. They got a little bit in the secondary, some injuries there last year as well. I like Mike Vrabel. You know, he doesn't strike me. We talked about this offline as well. Mike Vrabel doesn't strike me as a rebuild coach. Like, it's like, hey, coach, we need to get out there, win four or five games this year, get this high draft pick, and Mike Vrabel would look the owner and the GM dead in the face and say, fire me. Absolutely. Like, that's not what I'm here to do. I will go out here and win nine games even if I got to go play quarterback. So, so, So I think Tennessee has that grit. And to borrow something that you said in our offline conversation, Tennessee plays football the right way, the way that you think of. They still have that smash mouth mentality, you know, on top of having Derrick Henry, who is now having the foot issues, the plantar fasciitis and all that. And I can relate. You know, they went and got Tajay Spears from Tulane to be that change of pace back. So I like that pickup. You know, they went and got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, coming in who can hopefully, hopefully, I said hopefully, unlock Traylon Burke, who was supposed to be the A.J. Brown replacement, you yeah. know, and he wasn't the doo-doo Brown replacement. So, yeah, his you first know, practice didn't look good for him because he just were – Yeah, he almost – like, I felt like he almost died that day. Like, you know, it was. Like I think crazy. it just kind of caught him off guard. Like, yeah, you know, like, you need two gallons of water before practice starts, kind of. Like, you need to eat, like, a sandwich with some hand, right. no cheese. Like, you need to – you might you might need to do a little bit more, but or, or he might have just been sick and say, you know, I'm gonna tough it out. But yeah, it, it looked it looked odd because you sent AJ Brown away, and then this guy essentially they said it. I remember they said it at the draft when the trade was made, mm-hmm. and then they drafted him. They were like, you know who his comparison is? AJ Brown. It was like, well, you just traded, and it was just like, yeah. Well, I think what I think what was crazy about it to me was that. And I know, you know, college obviously doesn't always directly translate over to the NFL. But it's not like you went and got a receiver from a passing school. You know, he went to Arkansas. So, you know what I mean? Like, go get an Ohio State wide receiver. You Listen, know, Calvin go- Johnson with the Georgia Tech. Hey, Calvin Johnson they were, was – Calvin Johnson they were running. Was, they were running a quadruple option. They threw Cal- like six <laughs> passes a, a, a game, all of them with them. Calvin Johnson was also the same size as Michael Jordan. You know, so it's like throw it up and catch this oop. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense when you when you think about like the size of some of these human beings. Like Derrick Henry is Calvin Johnson size. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like he had like four thousand yards rushing. His it's Calvin. I mean Derrick Henry's senior year stats. He's at he had like four thousand yards rushing. He had multiple games where he ran for over four hundred yards. Yeah, so doesn't make any sense. So you're so picking he, Tennessee. Yeah, I'm picking Tennessee because you know you got Chris out here taking his shots off of the soft tissue. I need somebody to take a shot to me because all I'm gonna say is check the schedule. <laughs> you know, because when I look at this schedule for Jacksonville, you know, let me look at my paper right here. So week two, they get the measuring stick right out the way. Kansas City, come on down. So, you know, we're going to see what they learned from that playoff game last year and how they stack up against healthy Patrick Mahomes for the whole game. But they get a little easy after that up until this stretch from week seven through week 13, which is going to tell the tale of their season because they go to the House of Horrors, also known as the Superdome. 
you know, Caesar's they go super dumb. They go to they don't want the players gambling. That's cool. They go to that. they go to ketchup world and go play the Steelers. You know, San Francisco. A matchup San Francisco with, at home. Yep, a matchup with Tennessee. They get a little breather with, with a road game at Houston, but still a division road game. And then they get the Bengals. So that's going to be the stretch right there that determines this division, I think. You know, because when I look at everybody else in the division scheduling, you know I'm going to get to it. But as I look at everybody else's schedule, Jacksonville is the team that finished in first place last year. So they're the team that gets this schedule. Yeah. And this, and this is why the NFL – I mentioned it's so hard to stay on top because you want to do good. Your reward is you go to play everybody that's good yeah. <laughs> and you're going to, and, and they lump them in together. And that's, and that's why the, the worst of first aspect of the NFL is like we've, we've had years and the last few years, people have complaints about the NFL, but I think their model of selling you an entertainment and entertaining product, is head and shoulders above every every other league, in my opinion. I think the NBA does a poor job of showcasing all their talent. Like, for instance, I you should definitely have Orlando versus Golden State on TV just to get both coasts to see both teams, and then you'll have people watching the game because of Golden State and their recent history, and then you have this young team in Orlando playing. Or Houston versus the Lakers. That game yeah, has I was to be on say, TV. If I got a summer you have to make the Knicks these, all year. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta put it together. You have to put these games together to where people can start being fans of Jalen Green. People can start being, you know, get Portland against, you know, and Portland when they when they come and play the Knicks. If Dame Lillard's on the team or not, but get people Scoot Henderson against Jalen Brunson. Sure Whereas everybody. the NFL makes that happen. They make they get you Patrick Mahomes and. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, two. and most and most of all, you're showing everybody there is an alternative. You don't have to watch Julius Randle. <laughs> Yo, he's gonna find us one day. Us, <laughs> me and you. Uh, so, like, so, like, I, I like, I like your pick. Once again, I can agree with it to a point, but I just figure that I'm gonna just take the trajectory. I mean, Jacksonville, Jacksonville is most likely. Yeah, Jacksonville is most likely. I just, I just think that. I just think, I mean, obviously, for Tennessee to win the division, a lot of things have to come together, you know, and that offensive line of theirs, if you could call it that, is another issue. Yeah, if you did a parlay where you picked all eight division winners and then the wild cards, so that's 14, the odds are crazy because of so many different variables. It's you're so. If you think about Jacksonville, Tennessee, we're up to the last game. If Dallas doesn't blow a random game in the middle of the year, they're fighting for first place. Jalen Hurts resting for two weeks. Starting his first game. You know, they had Jalen Hurts resting for two weeks when they were they they wanted to rest him because he got injured. So they had to rest them earlier than expected in Philly. So Philly mm-hmm. could have put themselves in a position in the last three weeks where they lost the number one seed. Yep. So that kind of like, you know, selection of Tennessee versus Jacksonville, it's a toss up. Like I said, the, the a, a parlay bet, if you hit all 14, it'll probably pay you like $80,000 of a $12 bet. Like it'll be something crazy like that. But I mean, if we, if we think about the two teams rebuilding and this is that whole worst to first. So the mm-hmm. Colts, Texans, one of them's gonna be third, one's gonna be fourth. 
well, it depends on how bad you are. I think I think Indy will probably be a little better because they have they have a steady running game, they have a solid offensive line. If they keep Jonathan Taylor, we'll talk about that in the next segment. And you have this young quarterback, check it down, Moelle Cox. I think they have another tight end. So mm-hmm. you, you keep it simple with your you know your tight end playmakers. You you know, as Steichen can really if they can really make this this rookie coach and rookie quarterback marriage work, because that's the key. I know Doug Peterson when he came in, it was Lawrence's second year, but you can basically just watch that first year because it was so discombobulated with Urban Meyer that that first year with Peterson and uh, Trevor Lawrence, you could consider that his rookie campaign where he actually got real tutelage, real coaching, not a coach that literally doesn't travel back to <laughs> to the to, to the team facility That's with the party in the bar. bar. Yeah, you know he he went to the bar. He didn't come back with the team. He left the team left to go to Jacksonville, and he stayed and went to the was bar. it his like, bar? Like, it was his. He I was, think it was he his bar, bar ownership right? or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and they're feeling <laughs> on girls like it's not HD cameras in everybody's pocket, but that's the kind of like you know arrogance that you, you know you had to. Well, I mean, it, as a you, college, you didn't coach, get in those problems it, last it year. Well, as a college coach, especially the type that had the success that he had, you pretty much run every town you go into. And everyone's like, yep, got that. But Indianapolis, you know, so here's a question. You know, I know you're not the biggest Anthony Richardson guy, you know, but can Anthony Richardson at least be what Matt Ryan was last year? I, it's not like I'm not an Anthony Richardson guy. It's just that at Florida where he probably had – upper echelon foot, college football talent, like high school players coming in Florida, state of Florida. It's like said, well, nothing well, else. Florida, California, Texas, one, two, three is interchangeable. You can mix in Georgia. I think they're starting to get a little run. But yeah, Louisiana, historically, yeah. historically, it's Florida, Georgia, California. That's where your, you know, your high school, you know, upper echelon talent comes from. He's there. And the highlight package was incredible. I remember someone posted in the group a few months, like a couple of months before the draft. And I was like, just this highlight tape alone is going to get him drafted higher than he probably should be. Luckily, he went to an organization that's not completely dysfunctional. I'm not a big fan of Jim Irsay. I feel like he's Jerry Jones 2.0. I don't really know too many owners' names and faces and histories you know, whether it be a criminal history, whether it be just kind of run-ins or just the fact that he wanted to pay for some killer whale to go across the country. I just think that your owner shouldn't be someone you talk about as much as the players. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I know he's he was big in a lot of the like negotiations with the COVID and strikes and the CBA. And, but he's one of those guys that's just like, he's out front. But sometimes you might need to play the back, and I'm not sure if you're going to be, if you're going to be able to do that. They start out 0 and 2 or 0 and 3. People start sticking a microphone in his face. What? He's gonna say X, Y, and Z, like whatever he said about. I mean, he said something about Carson Wentz. Well, he was one of the ringleaders that was trying to get Daniel Snyder out of there. So, like, you know, he's all right with me, you know. <laughs> but 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 as I look at this, the reason why I asked that question about can Anthony Richardson be at least what Matt Ryan was, is because I'm looking at this. And last year, the Colts, between Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger, 
and I'm sure there was a third quarterback that I'm forgetting right now, but between them, they were 20th and receiving yards and 24th in touchdown receptions. So, you know, there's only one way to go, and that's up. They still got Michael Pittman. I think Paris Campbell might be a big loss just to have somebody besides Pittman for the defense to worry about. So that's where Jonathan Jonathan Taylor comes in. You know, if you can get Jonathan Taylor from two years ago, the Colts might get to 7-10 and 10 or, you know, they might get to that where they're in the division hunt the last two weeks of the season because Jacksonville has a tough schedule and Tennessee that's, is rebuilding. But that's, that's, asking, that's asking a lot. That's asking a it lot. It definitely is, but we've seen it happen uh, before. We just had a conversation the other day rookie, about, rookie about rookie Matt Ryan and Flacco, you know, about how they came into the league and changed how we view rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, but that was also carried the two like 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. 15, it was. 15. It was it was a while. And when you think about when you think about those teams, Atlanta was playing like a last place schedule because they were still kind of overcoming the Michael Vick scandal. And then Flacco had Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. I think I probably could have gone out there, got you 2,000 yards. <laughs> I would have been throwing nothing but screen Maybe. passes and passes to tight ends, but nothing deeper than 25 yards. I'm just, I'm going to hit you screen and these slants all day. Yeah. I got you. So Flacco was fortunate to, to come in that situation, but it's been a lot of cases where guys were rookies i mean like lamar sat behind flacco for a while so i i get i, I get mean this guy's getting cam, and I don't, this guy getting cam newton comparisons, comparisons. Yes. yeah and cam newton came out had 800 passing yards his first couple of games and then ended up with like a career pass percentage of like 58 59 percent and that's that was one of yeah and that was one of richardson's knocks and on top of that i don't want my top five quarterback out here trying to run the ball all the time either because you know you put a red jersey on him in practice so he didn't get a hit. But people keep you know, like people, but like some of these pundits I hear talk about, oh, if you can utilize his athleticism, I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> I don't I don't want him putting his shoulder into linebackers and DBs. If you have to scramble, cool. Like if you can Aaron Rodgers it, because Aaron to stand back there for a little bit and then scramble and get you eight yards and stick the ball out like that, try to get the first down, but he's not gonna die for it. Yeah, is Anthony had, Richardson going to slide or like he, is he, he, he better, too big to slide? He he's got. I bet he got a text message from Andrew Luck. Like, listen, don't try to run that guy over at the one. Just go out <laughs> of bounds and give it to John Jonathan Taylor on the next play. Yeah. If it's fourth and one, or if it's fourth down, then you got to do what you got to do. Or I if guess that's now. <laughs> just go ahead, and step to the side, and. And, and, let, and let somebody else, you know, lug that rock over the over the goal line. Well, well look at that. There's somebody's got to be terrible. Like, I mean, it's a lot of, yeah, you're yeah, pretty yeah. optimistic. One of these teams is going to win four games. Well, you know, I like the Texans, but we'll get to them in a second. But like looking at the Colts schedule, it's actually not that bad considering like the rookie quarterback, the questions about Jonathan Taylor, you know, is Zach Moss going to have to carry the load because like their biggest stretch is late in the season. You know, I got weeks 13 through 15 picked out because they go to Tennessee, they go to Cincinnati, and then they come home for Pittsburgh. So that's going to be a tough think it could be two and six after the first eight weeks? I think they could, but I don't think that it's like murderer's row where you're just looking at the schedule going, holy crap. I don't think you're having that reaction to that part of the schedule. 
Like you're, no you, prime, you, you, you no might prime time games. Like you might feel that way just because you know that the Colts are a bad team, but I don't look at the teams that they're playing against and the way that it sets up like consecutive games. I don't look at that part of the schedule and go, "Ooh, this isn't manageable at all." You know, they, had, so, they got four division games in the first eight weeks, so that's right. Really tough, right? But outside of Jacksonville, like coming into the season. Like none of, those, none of those teams have uh, get out of here with the Rams. I'm not worried about them. <laughs> I, I'd be worried about them in the fact that I mean they do have Aaron gonna Donald. Lean, they're gonna lean heavily on just pressure up the middle. Yeah. Like because if you watch, I saw a play earlier with Sam Howell. They had a blitzer off the edge, and he was able to kind of step up in the pocket. The running back picked up the blitz. And got another step, and then he rolled out, and he had his eyes down the field to throw a pass. But this is the second year; is a little bit more polished, right? A lot of a lot of the young quarterbacks they get that that blitzer in, and they want to avoid it altogether and right. run. You know, right. how often does he take the? You know, does he take four, five, six hits in that game right. where he could have just kind of rolled and then dumped it off? And that's rolled. where that. And, and that's, that's where that game against Dallas time. might have helped because, you know, he had Micah Parsons coming after him. You know, Sam Howell. He had yeah. uh, Micah Parsons coming after him. He had Van Der Esch and, you know, some other guys. So, like, he, he got – it was one game, but he felt it, you know, at yeah. a point or another. Whereas Anthony Richardson is all going to be a whole new experience. And oh, whoever dude. he plays before the Rams ain't going to be Aaron Donald. <laughs> It's gonna be the Baltimore Ravens, you know. But but something so they got I, like two guys that are the caliber at their position. As but hey, know. but hey, I mean NFL is one of those sports that just doesn't make sense a lot of times. You go out here with your money, thinking that you got a sure thing, and then the Colts go beat Kansas City last year. You know what I mean? Was, and then and, and then they you, made them and they made them look bad. Normally, those kind of games are shootouts. Yeah, where it's they, just like the other quarterback is just hot and. You know, they no. led Philly for about 57 minutes last year, even with Jeff Saturday as the coach, and they lost it in the last minute. So, I mean, these things They happen. had a 33-point lead on Minnesota. They had a 33-point lead on Minnesota. Yeah, this, these no things one, happen. We don't talk about that enough. We don't but, talk about that We don't. Enough. We don't. But you as know what's a, even as crazier? A, as a 24-7 sports news cycle, even Kirk Cousins said in the quarterback, he was like, He's like, he was upset to be invited to NFL honors late. He was like, we got a rookie coach who went 13 to four. We had the greatest comeback in NFL history. And it's like, how can we aren't already I mean, there? Like Justin Jefferson was there for the catch. I mean, I call it the second greatest, but you know, that's just me, me being two five, I guess, you know, second greatest comeback ever. That's we're not going to talk about any other comebacks of any. No, other. not that one. Not that one. Talking about that one either. No, I'm not talking about that one. I'm not talking about that one. No, I'm talking about Buffalo and Houston. On the, on the 32 points. That was the AFC Championship game with a backup quarterback. So I'm going with that one as the best comeback ever. You know, but two five moment. But anyway, but with all that positivity that we just said about the Colts. You wouldn't even think they got outscored by 138 points last year. <laughs> so defense needs some work too, you know. So that's where, like I said, I like the Texans because at least with the Texans to finish third. Like, yeah, like uh, because at least when I look at the Texans, 
I see the talent. So, like, when I look at the Colts, you know, uh, they have Pittman. They have Allie Cox. You know, they have Leonard on defense. You know, um, and then there's, like, depending on what Jonathan Taylor's status is, you know, like, they don't have a lot of much else that stands out to me. I like Isaiah it's Rogers. A gap. It's yeah, a gap. Yeah, but, but when I look like at Houston, they're... but when I look at Houston, you know, they got Stingley back there on the in the defensive back, Derek Stingley. They got Jimmy Ward came along with D'Amico Ryan. So if nothing else, the secondary will be tight. You know, they still got Cushman. You know, they have uh, on offense, we talked about John Mechie. I think that Xavier Hutchinson is going to be one of the steals of the draft. They had Damian Pierce, who, before he got injured last year, was the leading he's a top Russian rookie rusher. Yeah, right. He was the leading Russian rookie. So you know, so so, and just like the Colts had these close calls, I remember the Texans being what two yards away from knocking off Dallas last year. Yeah, but they ran out two. They were running out the two quarterback system like it was college. Like they were. But now they don't have to. Season. It was but now weird. they don't have to. But now and they then don't the play have call to. was poor. Yeah, the play call was definitely poor. You know what I mean? And, and, and the reason that they were in this position to begin with to get this quarterback is because Lovey Smith decided to win the game. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell an old man. Look, as, as I'm getting older. With that immaculate I'm, beard. Like, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to, like, hear stuff and people say stuff to me and it's like, nah. Like I don't like I don't really react <laughs> to all of it. I just think to myself, it's like, do I care about this? Like, like yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, yeah, we're in this room, we're having this conversation, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. So you, yeah, you got to just fire me. You got to be mad at me. You got to fire me. Whatever you got to do, but I'm I not doing that thing you just said for me to do. I'm like, I'm you know, I, I hit him with the Vince McMahon. You know, saying no, no cases though. But I hit him with the Vince McMahon. I'd be like. I'll take it under advisement, you know, but, uh, but looking at the Texan schedule here, you know what I mean? Weeks two and three Indian Jacksonville. So they get acclimated to the division real quick, you know, so that'll be nice to see how they respond to the division games, how CJ Stroud handles that. But I think their schedule, just like I said about uh, the Colts, it sets up nice for the most part for a young team until you get to week 12 and then you go Jacksonville, Denver, at Tennessee, Cleveland, and Tennessee again. You know, like, but even that's not necessarily like murderer's row or the hit squad. You know, like uh, if CJ Stroud can be decent, you know, like they can sneak a game or two in there, you know, get the five wins or something along those lines. D'Amico Ryans will have the defense playing. Whereas with Steichen, you know, you know, maybe you see a higher upside because he has the offensive background and not only an offensive background, he was Justin Herbert's offensive coordinator. You know, he works with Phillip Rivers, Jalen Hurts. So he is a proven commodity as far as getting young quarterbacks. And I, mean, I guess he, the old dog too, getting the quarterback. Yeah, he has, to, he has a solid track record. You know, but obviously that's probably going to take a season or two to get Richardson up to that point. But, you know, but he at least has that track record, whereas with D'Amico Ryans, it's always weird when the defensive coach takes over. We talked about Todd Bowles. It's always weird when the defensive coach takes over because who is he going to hire as his offensive staff? What is his emphasis on offense going to be? Or is he just going to straight up try to win every game 9-6 to six because that's his calling card? So, yeah, we, so, want, so, we want slants and drag routes. 
Yeah, so that's going to be my knock for them. But, like, you know, but I picked Tennessee to win the division. So, you know, of course, to start off, it ain't going to start off too well. They might go 0-2 because they're going to go to the House of Horrors and then they're going to play the Chargers. You know, so the good news is, is that the Chargers usually just uh, – they play down to their competition, if you will, <laughs> especially when they, they're not at they home. They play very weird. They do. But then they it's go – but after the Chargers – they go to Cleveland and come back home for Cincinnati. So right out the gate, you know, we're going to find out if I'm off about the Titans or if there's a possibility that they could do something. They could – they very well could be – They could be 0-4. I don't know about Cleveland because I'm not sure if – I don't know where the disconnect with Deshaun Watson when he came back last season at the suspension he just looked like he he just looked like he wasn't he was never a top quarterback or he or viewed as such he just he just looked like out of place he looked like a rookie well going back to your point we talked I know about he missed a lot of time but yeah 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 looked, that's what i was gonna out say of place. like his handoffs like it just looked it just didn't look fluid well that's what i was saying like games. like like you brought up uh calvin ridley earlier like the games that he missed so when i was thinking about it as you were saying it what came into my mind was like receiver is probably one of the positions that would have like the least issues coming back from, because as a quarterback, a lot of it's about timing. So, you know, you got to knock the rust off, even the handoffs, like you mentioned, like just getting back into the feel of the game is the running back. You know, you have to be an extra blocker as well. So, you know, you have to get back into the physicality, you know what I mean? I don't know how many wide receivers are great blockers, but you don't forget how to run a route. You know, like, yeah, you, I mean, yeah, Terrell, yeah, Randy Moss wasn't blocking nobody, but you don't, but you don't, you don't forget how to run a route. You know, like you but don't. You got to work on the time and then knock the quarterbacks right, right. out anyway. So like you're 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 working with someone who's working, but really coming back to a good quarterback. You know, um, Trevor Lawrence, whereas Deshaun Watson, he had Amari Cooper who has flashes of being a great receiver, but it's just too inconsistent for my liking. And then on the other side, he had Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had sort of a breakout year last year. But, you know, like the thing that helped Deshaun Watson come along was that they had Nick Chubb, you know, so having that running game is always going to make it a little bit easier so this year, I expect him to play a little bit better. But when so I'm looking you at – You said that you got them – so based off of the Deshaun Watson – No, I'm picking Tennessee to win it, but but I'm just saying – I'm just, I'm just to They could be game. one and three. They one could and be three. one and three. You know, I'm going to say two and two. You know, I think they'll clip one of New Orleans or um, L.A., probably not New Orleans just because of where it is. It's, it's hard to beat them at, at that place, you know. Um, you know, how many Monday night games have you seen where they always put the Falcons and Saints on Monday night and it's always at the damn Superdome. Dude. And I'm always disappointed that I if stayed you, up until midnight to watch hey, if, this if game. Saints, and I had to go to work at six in the morning. If the Saints are good enough to reach a conference title game and they were in the AFC and Patrick Mahomes had to go to the House of Horrors, I'm picking the Saints. <laughs> That's how that place is. Like, you know, weird it's things and different. voodoo and all that stuff just happens in that place. It's a little different. So, so yeah, it's going to be hard to win there. 
But I think that they might play Cincinnati early enough. I know Burrow was a little banged up, you know, earlier. So he might need a few weeks to get back into gear. You know, they might catch Cincinnati at the right time. So two and two is possible. And then, like I said, you know, I don't know what Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore, you know, I don't know how that dynamic is going to work or if if they're still going to try to. Throw deep. Fourth and one, throw it deep, throw it hard. Yeah, yeah. So, so five so, wide. So, so like, yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm, gonna pick the Titans. You know, they had the best run defense in the league last year. You know, um, and and it what made me think about Tennessee, and I hate to do it, but you know, a lot of times as we talk about sports, and I mean we as like society, we tend to break things down to one game or two, and so the first thing that popped into my head when I was looking at the division was the Sunday night game against Kansas City last year. You know, the Malik Willis game where, you know, he didn't even throw for 60 yards or something, and Mahomes threw it 61 times. I think he has 16 pass attempts Yeah, to Mahomes 61. It was like the most, like the biggest disparity between pass attempts of two starting quarterbacks is like 45 passes. Yeah. You know. And And they were within a play of winning that game. And you know, Mahomes and, and, had to like play his heart out to to win that game, and that's what I'm like, saying. He stopped so, so, throwing so, the ball in the last drive. So, so that's why when I was looking at this, you know, like I said, all the smart money is on Jacksonville. You know, they're the best team. They have the most talent. They won the division last year, so you can't do the young, inexperienced thing anymore. They know they can do it now, you know. But Tennessee, I think, has ingredients. They just needed their quarterback to be healthy. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Tannehill fan to begin with. But, you know, but there's something about the IQ. We talked about it with Jimmy G the other day. There's just something about old reliable. You know, he's yeah. not going to he's not going to panic. The you know, he's, he's not going to give a game away. I mean, he'll have a bad game, but he's not going to give the game away on average. So so I just feel He'll throw that it away if it's a pressure game, though. If it's, if it's a one possession yeah, game may. in the fourth quarter, he will throw it to the other team at least. Yeah, once. and he he will do that from time to time. Every quarterback does, you know. That's for like like I, I was watching. Rodgers, uh, I guess I was watching. I don't know if it was first things first well, or Colin Cowherd. I think it might have been first things first. And what he said was like it made sense. And this is what we've been talking about. Some teams are in the position of where. They might implode due to early failures or lack of early success. I won't say failures, but lack of early success. Looking at their schedule, they go 0 and 4 or 1 and 3, and they don't look good in that 1 and 3. They say they they're 0 and 2 going into Cleveland, and Deshaun Watson just still doesn't have his rhythm back, and it's a sloppy game, and they win it 17-13. And then they come out and get mollywhopped by Cincinnati the following week. You have two young quarterbacks that were drafted in the last two drafts. Tannehill has been on a chopping block essentially mm-hmm. for the last couple of seasons. Hence yeah, I'm why, surprised he's still there. Hence why they drafted Malik Willis and then Will Levis, which once again, like it doesn't make any sense to have two essentially projected first round picks that you got later. I think Will Evans was second round pick and Malik Willis ended up slipping to the third round, I yeah. believe. 
uh-huh. where they're both projected to be first round picks on your roster with the starting quarterback that you're paying starting quarterback money to somewhere like 32, 34 million, something like that, that you keep hinting at, or at least publicly rumor has it, you know, we'll talk about rumors next that, you know, he, he, he's on his way out. So I just feel like, I know Vrabel is a, he's not a disciple of Bill Belichick because he played for me, didn't coach under him, but, is someone going to influence a change being made? Mm-hmm. And what do you do with Tannehill? Do you just give him the clipboard? Do you move up both young guys and put Tannehill third? How does that impact the locker room? When well, you're I was going to say they go quarter one of way into the season. They go one and three, one and four, like we're talking about. Somebody in that building is going to say, hey, we just picked up Spears. You know, we were talking about trading Derrick Henry before the draft. Let's get a start on next year. So, I mean, that very well could happen, you know, still. Like, Henry could be moved, you know. Uh, maybe not. The only thing that would keep Henry there, I think, is just because they brought DeAndre Hopkins in. That's the thing. DeAndre Hopkins, it's probably – I think Tennessee probably was the only team that was willing to give him that money. Mm-hmm. But – the same trepidation I'm having with the Tannehill relationship with the Titans. I'm not sure. I don't know why DeAndre Hopkins isn't thinking that. Like, but when they called you, like, listen, are y'all going to keep this quarterback? Because he he remembers those years in Houston when Tom Savage and who was the other guy, TJ Yates and mm-hmm. Matt Schaub. And I think he's, he's caught, like, touchdown passes from – from like the worst slate of receivers, like of any ele- eleven, like eleven different quarterbacks have thrown touchdowns, or some 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 number like that, some outrageous number. Um, and I'm pretty sure you would want more consistency from the quarterback position. And, and but who it, knows? It, but if he's if he's healthy and, and and there's play design for him, then they could finish his stretch three and one because we don't know what New Orleans is going to be. We just feel like someone has to be good at NFC South. And of those four teams, New Orleans has the biggest home field advantage. And if they get eight right. or nine home games, then that can potentially give them Yeah, they the... just picked up Kareem Hunt, too. So, you know, like, so there's that. Like, there's so much for the whole Kamara suspended thing. But, you know, um, but both of us picked the Falcons to win that division. So, you know, and it's because the reason I I, I can't speak for you. Part of the reason why I picked the Falcons is because I'm tired of trying to believe in Derek Carr. Like, I'm, I'm tired of trying to, like, see that he has talent and he can do this and he can do that, and then he just doesn't do it. So Yeah, but we – like, that's the thing. I don't think anybody outside of the, the Raiders organization – I mean, inside the Raiders organization really believed in him with enough conviction the way – I mean, if you think about some but of also these their teams, coach too, the like, way the, the Vikings believe in Kirk Cousins, right? Like that level of you are our guy, right? I wish it translated to more wins for Kirk because I like him. I, I, I like I like him a lot as, as a player. Derek Carr probably has that. It's exactly he's probably he's in the same boat as Tannehill, where they paid him a success. He's already getting his money, but was he paid because? They didn't want to go out and look for another one. Did you did you put the engagement ring on because you're like, you know what? I don't want to go back out in the dating pool. I just want to stay here with what I have, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you go out 
and you literally get two more people well, well, <laughs> to well, do his know. job in back-to-back drafts when you could have probably picked up a guy like Brian Hoyer. You could well, you, you could have you could have picked up a you could have picked up a steady backup versus drafting the guy's replacement. We saw how that relationship worked in Green Bay. Yeah, it worked out with the far of that Aaron Rodgers piece, but that was a little turmoil at the end. And then I think you like I talked about this before. I'm not sure if Malik Willis is Vrabel's guy, hence why now we have Will Levis, who looks a lot more like a, a you know, a more bulked out version of Ryan uh, Tannehill. Yeah. So a typical style, yeah. Yeah, and he and just I just think that that's the the potential for implosion that you have a wide receiver that just showed up getting this money who wants consistency. Is he gonna get he's gonna run a post route and Malik Willis isn't gonna see it because he doesn't, you know, he might not know, like, yo, this is open. And then they're gonna put Will Levis in. Yo, I'm open, and he doesn't get the ball. And he's like, Yeah, I got me running these 30 yard routes. And oh no, Will Levis will throw it. <laughs> he's throw it to somebody on Indianapolis. He might do that, but he'll throw the ball. But but you know, but like to your Kirk Cousins point, you know, Kirk Cousins is like the perfect example of why I hate quarterback wins as a stat. You know, because too many times I've seen Kirk Cousins, you know, put up thirty points or lead Minnesota somewhere or just whatever, and the defense gives up something, and then we say. Kirk Cousins can't win the big game or like can't win like, in prime like, time. Like Kirk Cousins is the new Tony Romo, except for he's had more success than Tony Romo. What was that? The 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 was it the the Raider the Broncos game and the score was like yeah, 52 50 to 48. 48. And, like, and Tony Romo, Romo threw a pick with one. two minutes. He threw a pick right after the two-minute warning. And everybody said, See, he can't win the big game. And Peyton Manning went on to break the record for touchdown passes in a season, you know, make the Super Bowl. And it's like he put up 48 points. Like you could have kept it to 47. They win. Yes. If like, you could have kept you know, them the six touchdowns and two field goals. Whereas on the other hand, that's look eight at, possessions. Eight possessions. If you could have stopped them from scoring <laughs> on eight times in one game, you win. Whereas on the other hand, you look at like Tim Tebow and Vince Young, and you know Tim Tebow was winning games, completing two passes. Oh, he, two for eight, yeah, I remember. There, the there was a there was a game against Denver where they were in over, or I'm sorry, against Chicago, they were in overtime. Marion Barber fumbled at midfield, and Tebow gets the ball. They don't even get a first down, and then you know the kicker comes in and kicks like a 63 yard field goal. And, and, and Denver wins, and and you know he gets credit for that win as if this wasn't the same team that was playing when Kyle Orton was the quarterback. And then Vince Young, you know, was out here winning games like sixteen to thirteen, and people were saying like, "Yo, he just wins wherever he goes." Like, so this is why quarterback wins. I don't I don't subscribe to that. Like, there are outliers. Like you brought up Jimmy G the other night. Jimmy you know, G's like, in the top like, five like, or six all time at like 70% win percentage. And it's but crazy. My, but my because... thing with Jimmy G is his impact to San Francisco, not just quarterback wins. I think like, right, I feel, right, right. I feel right. the same way with you. It's like I don't believe in quarterback wins. It's like, oh, because he's there, they are winning. It's the fact that it's like because you have him, you have a better chance of winning. Like he's not throwing you to victory 
He's just keeping you from losing games, which is also like, I mean, I know that's valuable, obviously. I'm splitting hairs, but, you know, he won't throw that late interception week after week playoff. Yeah, he'll just just overthrow the throw with the Super Bowl on the line. One throw in a Super Bowl, but if you would have just learned your lesson from the 20th February well, 2017 and just ran the ball, Cal Shanahan. Well, it reminds me, it reminds me of an argument I used to have with college football fans because college football fans used to argue me up and down that Oklahoma had this great home field advantage. And I was like, I don't know how great their home field advantage is. They're just always good. They're just always more talented than everybody else. And they play Texas and Dallas. So what would that home record look like if the Longhorns were coming there every other year, you know, or if they weren't playing Toledo out of conference or, or SMU Mercer. out of conference, you know what I mean? And they were actually bringing in some quality teams, like bring Alabama up there and beat yeah. Alabama and I'll give we're you your home field out. props. We're about you know to find I mean? out. Yeah, this, we're going to find out about Gaylord Memorial Stadium. So, but like I said, I just think that the, the teams in the AFC South, Two of them are rebuilding, essentially. Right. One of them is one is ascending. One one is a bad interception away from rumors coming out of the locker room that uh, you know this person is not happy. This person is not happy. It just yeah. it just seems like it just seems like a situation that uh, could get bad. In Tennessee, but you know, risk reward. If if it works out, then they, you know, like I said, they play this smash mouth football game that they want to play. But I just I think that uh, I just think that just slow and steady wins the race. I got Jacksonville with just you know methodical movement of the football, good wide receiver core, good run game, inventive coach, young quarterback ascending. They've gotten a lot. They've they. Like I said, they pay for free agents on defense. They draft it well. The exact opposite of what the Colts have done. The Colts haven't made like splash draft picks other than quarterback, but every quarterback pick looks like a splash draft pick when you're picking in the top 10. It all looks right. like if they would have gotten Will Levis, it would have looked like a splash draft pick. Like, oh, because we heard that name for four to five weeks from February through April, and we saw the clips. We saw the good passes every once in a while they show the interceptions but they show the body and the throws and the combine throws and everything else mm-hmm. so they look like a splash pick when you get anthony richardson or will levis or these picks but jacksonville actually been it's been making you know the josh allen pick uh yeah. the guy out of georgia where everyone thought he was everyone thought aiden hutchinson was going he's like nah we're gonna get another trayvon georgia walker player. trayvon yeah. walker out of georgia so yeah I guess I just think that they they made those moves, um, and they made them two years in advance, and now they have their guy. They're, they're not reaping the rewards for it. They're not paying their guy yet. And Trevor Lawrence, I I in the the college football playoff game against Ohio State, just something about the way he was like just even the incomplete passes. It looked like he knew where his read was, and he let it go. It was. It wasn't. It, he nothing. He didn't look overwhelmed, even though they were losing. You know, he was battling because I think Ohio State had like a twenty-one point lead. They got to twenty-one point lead, and it would just go twenty-one. They get it to fourteen, and then Justin Fields will make a play, 
and then Trevor Lawrence to come back. And I think the game probably ended up around like 14 or 20 point victory for Ohio State. But it looked like every time Trevor Lawrence is on the field, he just knew exactly what he was doing with the ball. And I was like, this is going to translate. But then they hired Urban Meyer, and I was like, oh, my God. And we saw how he dismantled Alabama as well, you know. And, yeah, you know, and, you know, but I'm going to pick Tennessee to win a division, you know, going back to their roots. Um and I'm going to pick the Colts to finish in last. I think the Texans are going to be one of those sneaky teams that they only win like five games or so, but they're going to put a scare into a lot of people, you know, and I'm scared because as a dude that picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl last year, I'm scared Stephon Diggs ain't going to be there too much longer. Hey, people talk like, they talk about Brian Dable and how he changed Josh Allen because out of Wyoming, he came into the league. I think his passing percentage his last year at Wyoming was like 59%. 59, 56 to 59, somewhere like in that the mid 50s. It was real Anthony Richardson like. You know, and I get it. You might not have the top flight wide receivers out in Wyoming, but you are the big fish in Little Pond as a quarterback. Because we did you stay in Wyoming when we went to Colorado? Like, did you stay? Because I stayed in Laramie. Because when we drove, oh, the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I stayed so in Laramie way. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I I stayed at one of the little rest stop hotels and I went to the Walmart. Yeah, and I, I stayed, I stayed at the joint with the iron skillet. Yeah, I stayed. <laughs> at one, like I think I, I think I stayed in that same block. And I remember, like, I pulled into the parking lot because I got there late. You know, it was dark out, and I was like, I'm gonna go to Walmart, grab something or whatever. And I remember looking around, and I'm like, where? is the buildings like where's the campus <laughs> like where is stuff because i and i was sitting there thinking like this was actually i was thinking it was like because that we should watch it they were in the mountain west they're also in the, the mountain pond. west and i was <laughs> like uh how can you recruit how do you recruit a, a an athlete to come to this school who's not from wyoming granted wyoming looks gorgeous like that whole Midwest Colorado. I had a friend and that was stationed in Montana. He loved it. So I get if you want to sell them on how good the place looks, it's easy. But I was looking for buildings, the campus, anything. I saw some people at Walmart that looked like college students, but I still didn't see any dorms. I didn't see any directions of dorms. Normally in the small college towns that I have like the emblem of the school on the street signs, I didn't see any of that. So I was like, you're, if you're playing out there, you're lit, he was literally probably one of the biggest dudes playing sport in that state at 6'5", 225, 230, whatever he was when he was there. So then he gets to the league, pass completion is about the same, could throw it through a brick wall, but couldn't throw it to a wide, wide receiver. They get Stephon Diggs and Brian Dable, all of a sudden just his numbers go up. I don't know what Stephon Diggs' like, issue is. You can't win – Super Bowl every year and sometimes you lose and it's like dog you're not gonna win every year so to throw like this hissy fit and like just pop want to be out is ridiculous but find out per his Twitter because Stephen A. Smith said hey dude wants out and then Stefan Digg went to his own Twitter and was like let me squash this right now that is not true matter of fact I think I got it pulled up here well you know like he didn't help himself by the way and I'm and I don't judge anybody because you know I the way he some, was barking at him on the sideline. No, no, no. I was just gonna bring up 
him bouncing after the Cincinnati game last year, the playoff game, where they said he he just went straight to the locker room, grabbed his stuff, got up out of there, and then they were like, you know, what happened X Y Z, and he was like, what y'all want me to be happy with losing? Like I'm not gonna judge him for that, you know. What I'm saying I've been in the middle of sports, obviously not professionally, that. I might have reacted that same way, upset about a loss or disappointed, or and and, and that, it goes back to that thing, right? Putting the cam or the camera and the mic in somebody's face after a moment like that. Like remember Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, you know that became a big thing. The way he reacted and all that. So like, I'll never be the one to sit up here and judge a dude and be like, he should have handled it like this. Yeah, like, you can't say that. Yeah, I've never had that level of emotion and then had to like take a shower and talk to someone about it. Right. You know like to mean? get so, that high, get that low, and then like have an irrational conversation but in then, the locker room before I even leave the building. Yeah. So then when you put that to the side as exhibit A, you got Sean McDermott getting on TV talking about I'm concerned and I don't know why Stefan didn't come to practice today and XYZ. And then Josh Allen says like, oh, that was blown out of proportion. Nobody blew it up of the proportion nobody would have had a thought on it if your coach didn't say that he was concerned about it so that's going to be exhibit b because obviously there was some kind of miscommunication or misunderstanding of whatever that situation was i'm sure they cleared it up but in the moment that was a miscommunication that i feel can't happen especially on a team that has the coach has to be to better at the pr mike right. tomlin mike tomlin had antonio brown going Facebook live in the locker room and he handled that situation better in his press conferences and right. every like, I think Mike Tomlin would have like in that situation Mike Tomlin would have lied. Like my, Mike Tomlin would have been like, yeah, I gave him the day off. So what? And then everybody would have just been like, all right. And we would have just moved on. You know what I mean? Whereas McDermott's like, well I'm concerned. Like like why was he here? And like and now we're overreacting. And then Stephen A comes out. The star wide receiver and the head coach have a different relationship than the third, the nickel corner and the head coach. Like that, that communication is different. The nickel corner, he's texting his position coach, like, hey, I need a day. Or his his agent, his (laughs) agent's calling the GM, like, hey, you know, Nicholson's not coming in or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And if not, he's on a Greyhound somewhere. Yeah. But the, the star, your star wide receiver, and your head coach to have a different relationship. Like if Josh Allen went in that practice, somebody would have got an email, text message, a carrier pigeon, something to Sean McDermott. He would have had a better answer at the podium. It might be a situation where, you know, you can recognize where you're playing you're you're playing a sport and your coach, albeit they are in that position to coach, might not be making the best decisions best play calls best personnel calls best game plan because if you're a wide receiver and you're like i know i can beat this guy on these routes if we run these kind of our game plan should be you know throwing these types of routes yes i'm pretty sure a wide receiver is going to want the ball thrown to them but if he's like hey we can't shy away from what we do well because this other team is also good you know like it's it's one of those things where New England got away with it when they ran the ball like 40 something times in the win and only threw it three times because they just, they just, for some reason, I think it might have been a frustration piece or maybe it was McDermott not being able to make in game adjustments. Cause that's something that I, yeah, I remember thinking about this with a couple of like, uh, 
I've been watching like, you know, the youth football and recently, you know, my, like my last seven, eight years when my son's playing football and I'm sitting in the audience. I'm like, listen, I'm not a coach, but I can clearly see that uh, number 65 can't block number 23. So maybe we should help him out. Maybe we get a chip. I'm just watching from the stands. I'm like, you guys are on the same side of the field that I'm on. And you're seeing this guy blow the play up. Where where's the shift? Where's the adjustment? Where's the line shift? Where's the you know the checks? Whatever the case may be. So I think if you are a, a player and you see these different moments where your coach or your coaches or your position groups or the game plan doesn't seem to be matching up, because if you lose, you lose. Like you know, right. Patrick Mahomes, right. he took it on the chin. Wait, they blew the twenty-one to three lead um, to Cincinnati. And everyone came back, and then you know, they end up winning the Super Bowl. So long as you can recognize where you lost. I mean, even when the Falcons blew the Super Bowl, the lead in Super Bowl, they came back, still made a wild card, still won a playoff game on the road when they, they went out, beat the Rams, and had to come back and, and play Philly in the divisional round. So you can you can come back from a loss. It's just how many times you know does he want to lose? You, you can see how like his emotions when he does lose. So if Stephen A. Smith, like you say, he seems to be a reliable. He really, yeah. I don't, I don't think he would incorrect information. Say, yeah, like yeah, maybe. But, and I don't think he's the type that would. Like he cares about his reputation, you know what I mean. So I don't think he would be the type that somebody told him something, and then it comes back later, like oh Stephen A. overreacted to what the per like. He doesn't strike me as that type. So, like, if Stephen A, like, Stephen A was the one person that had the LeBron to Miami thing. You know what I mean? Like, he he was the first person in the media that said that. You know, like, so he's. he's I remember when I heard it, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and like, Stephen A told Michael Carter Williams that time, you don't want to make an enemy out of me. You know what I'm saying? Because cause he know everybody. Like, he's connected. So, like. Somebody but, but somewhere is conversely that level of connection would make me think that there might be a bit of an unchecked ego to the point where he will believe that no one would lie to me, so mm -hmm. this has to be true. So I'm gonna say it. So it could be you know it's the gift and the curse where you're so respected and you and you're and you're so well connected that you feel like no one will put me in a position to where. I'm going to report incorrect information. Well, I think that's just and, where and the relationship that's so, that's just where the relationship comes in. Like, who told but you this? But the person who told you, you might have felt like this person wouldn't lie to me, but it could it could have gone that way because if Stefan Diggs is saying, if the statement is from Stephen A. Smith, here we go, brother wants out. I'm just telling <laughs> you what I know. That is a definitive <laughs> statement. <laughs> and then his retort is 100% not you, Dick tweeted. There's no gray area. It's not like he heard right. something. But how many times have we heard these things and the athlete or coach or whoever denies it? Like, we talk about Lincoln Riley all the time. But Lincoln you know, Riley was at the podium. He still lied. Like, flat out I, lied in our faces. The Nick Saban one was probably the best when he was at Miami and they asked him if he was going to take the Alabama job. And he was going like, he was real demonstrative about how he was, I'm coaching Miami, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, I'm out here. Yeah. <laughs> First thing, smoking the Tuscaloosa. Um, so I get it. You don't want to, you don't want to give it away. But what's the point of lying about it? 
like eventually it's going to come out. So it's like if if you you already lost your leverage piece. And that's the thing. Like if you want it out, you want it out in January. You want it out in February. Why are you yeah, waiting until August? There's nowhere for you to go. Well, he probably not waiting until August. They, he probably went in there and said something, and he said, "Look, with all due respect, go sit your ass down. You nah. ain't going nowhere." I think I think current GMs are. You got to be smarter than that because you you Rob Parker says it. He's like, if a guy doesn't want to play for me, I you got to go because what am I going to get out of you? That am I going to get good that extra, in theory until you? Am I going like, to get like, that James Harden doesn't want to play for Philly like? You know what I mean? What you gonna trade them for? You just you gotta move them. You you Where? gotta come. You gotta come to the. Everyone wants to use their leverage. The owners, the players, they want to give it up. I'm like, listen, check your ego at the door. <laughs> the negotiation for what's gonna be better. What's what was better for Brooklyn to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie for half the season and get some some pieces back late or Make that move early, and maybe you can get more. Yeah, but for Philly to trade Harden, you have to have a trade partner, and you can't just accept any trade just because it's there. He doesn't have a no trade. If that was clause, if that was the case, Damian Lillard would be gone already. Damian Lillard and his agent once again trying to create this 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 illusion of leverage. Try to say we only want to go to Miami. I'm like, dog, you probably could have gone to Utah. Probably. For yeah, like Mr. Sexton and a couple couple of plays, and then you've gone back to somewhere and you could have really competed. Denver does not have a super team, they are not stacked, they are just solidly built as a team. And they have continuity, yeah. Continuity. You get it early, you get the con because you can't demand to go to one place because that you lose your leverage to have a good team because your current team is going to get fleeced. By the team you demand you go into. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, so if Harden, so, so like to trade Harden, especially now after this latest, like, he's a liar fiasco and all that kind of stuff, like, you're going to get less than you were going to get before that. Like, so, you know, so like if you're Daryl Murray, a team can't call you and be like, they're going to John this, Wall. This and this. And then you just go, all right, we got to get him out of here. I'll take it. Cause then you got to be, they're going to be John to worry Wall about. You got him to worry. They're just gonna, they're just gonna John Wall, Al Horford him. They probably will. And but but don't, back to don't but come back to, to the Buffalo. Don't, don't come to the building. And that's but, I think Stephon Dix could potentially but, get that same but, treatment. It's like don't but, come but to the, the building. But the reason that you, but the reason that you, you asked the question of like, uh, like I guess you asked uh, why would he lie or like what what does he get out of that? And I'm like I don't know. You get the point of, you know that they're not gonna move you, one. Because you've had conversations behind the scenes. Two, the season is about to start. So you're not necessarily trying to tank the season and be like the distraction or get the blame for, you know, Buffalo being off or whatever. You know what I'm saying? For three, you know, you just want to be the person to put it out there yourself or to publicly ask for a trade or whatever versus having somebody like Stephen A., just put it out there and beat you to the punch, I guess. But where are you gonna go? I don't know where you're gonna thing. go. As a, as a as two, you know, Washington ain't of, going into the end zone with a play call like that. I'll tell that's you that a play call. That's just a good tackle. 
No, he threw that ball. They, he he was too he was too far from the goal line. Like he didn't run that route to where it needed to be. He, he ran it right. Calm down. You're just a fan. No, that was man. a good route. It just was no. a better tackle. I'm trying to end this preseason winning streak. But anyway, uh, like yeah, like uh, battle yeah, of the so like, You you know as a as a as a player where the leverage is for you in this trade is like your all your leverage is around the draft. That's when everyone's optimism is at at its highest level. That's when opportunities to move picks and players and and people acclimating new teams. Guys just teams just hired coaches off of the Super Bowl winning teams. So everyone is working in new pieces. You have your mandatory like your mini camps and things like that. So you have all this time. You can't ask for a trade on the 21st of August or have this information come out on the 21st of August and expect to get any anything happening because there's nowhere for you to go. There's no, no benefit to that. there's no benefit. So that's why I don't I agree think with he that, wants to be out. But you can't but you can't control when Stephen A gets whatever information he gets. Like you know what I mean? This might have been a conversation that Diggs brought up or had like I don't know two three months ago. Or even during the draft, he might have been like, yo, trade me for Derrick Henry or something. You know, but like it was it was quiet, it was behind the scenes, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then we fast forward. You think forward. Stephen A will hold on to that for three, four, five? No, months? I think Stephen A may not have been told yet. Like, cause because maybe it happened, it blew over, and then everybody was like, yo, we're moving forward, or whatever the case may be. And then something could have happened last week or yesterday or whatever. At practice or at camp. So that's see what that there means, could have been a conversation. All of that, all of that speculation, it just seems like it seems that if you need that much speculation for Stephen A. Smith's statement to be true versus Stefan Dick saying, nah. No, that's not true. No, I'm just saying I I'm just saying, I, 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 I would know. I buy into the player more than the reporter. I'm in just that saying regard. that I don't know when Stephen A got the information. Did somebody text him this morning and say, yo, Stefan wants out of here? You know, I, yes. I don't think somebody told Stephen A on 4th of July, hey, Stefan Diggs wants out of here. And then he just and never he held said it nothing. for seven weeks. Yeah, I don't believe that. So whenever the information came, it just doesn't. He probably said it. But it doesn't, but it doesn't make sense in the sense, considering that Stefan Diggs said that it wasn't true. That's why I'm leaning more because. The a trade or an announcement or even like this 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 desire to potentially be gone from your team for that information to come out now or for that conversation to be had with Stefan and his circle and it comes out now it doesn't benefit him because there's no I don't I don't know why well, I don't think Stephen A is concerned about benefit no no him. that's what I'm saying like, so what I mean is like I don't think it's the reason I don't think it's true is because Steph like. I mean, it's no benefit for Stefan for that information to come out. For him to even want to trade now is like, you know, you can't go anywhere. You've already been in, everyone's been in camps. They've already played a couple of preseason games. It's like, where are you going to go now before the season starts? It just, it just, I don't know. It just, it just seems like a, Nowhere, a situation but, where. But if Buffalo's sitting on, I don't know, three and four, I don't know. But, Maybe that's a conversation you have at that. But time. Buffalo's not a bad team. Like they're I think not a the, bad team. But when you, but I don't you think have, they would ever get to three and four. But when that's you what I'm have, saying. but when you have, how many teams have we seen before? No matter if it's football, basketball, whatever sport, we've seen teams that are talented, 
that are favorites, that are expected to be contenders. And then they just have something, you know what I mean? And their play suffers. We've seen that before. We've seen it, but not with a healthy squad. We've seen it with teams when players aren't available. Football, so it's a little bit where as long as your quarterback's in place and your best skilled players are in, in place, you're good to go. But it's rare that a team like Buffalo. We also, we also seen a dude with a Mrs. Doubtfire suit, too. Oh, you're talking about <laughs> so, Harden? So, so Stephon Diggs start pulling up on routes and stuff, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. And the, and that's what I mean is as far as basketball, you can just sit them down. You can you can not play James Harden and still go twelve and five in your first seventeen games because you have Embiid, and then you can just James Harden by committee with two or three guys. You know, you got Maxi. Uh, I think Tobias Harris is still there. Yeah, DeAndre Melton. Shake DeAndre Milton. Melton, Shake, you oh, no, know, shake so you, left. No, shake left. Okay. So yeah. you, you you can replace with James Harden 17 points, eight and nine assists. You can replace that with a few other players and just work it through and beat. You you have that, you know, available to you. Football is it's rare that you're gonna be able to replace the production of a top level player in right. any position. Right. You know, you can't just Especially replace the top Buffalo tackle with a rookie. Have a good run game. They don't have a good run play calling game. <laughs> they run the ball well. They just don't call enough from. I thought last year they should have traded for Derrick Henry. Whatever they had to move to get Derrick Henry, I would have. Yeah, they should have did that. it when he was available allegedly at the draft, too, you know. But anyway, so where does Jonathan Taylor end up? Jonathan Taylor, once again, it's like you have this Jerry Jones S kind of owner. He's already come out and said some what's some asinine statement about you know if I die one tonight, day yeah. if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is not in the league it's like what are the, you yeah basically the beat goes doing? on uh, Jonathan he's not paid yet um, the rumors of Miami I don't know if it really makes sense because you have you have so much speed everywhere on the field it just doesn't seem like it fits your speed back, your speedy wide receiver offensive strategy to have a, a big back. Also, I don't it, I don't think it makes sense for Indy to give up Jonathan Taylor because you need you need the running back to keep the pressure off your rookie quarterback. Trade deadline, maybe somebody wants to make a move. Someone's doing better than they expected they were doing. Yeah, maybe uh, you're one in six. Or yeah, either you start out terrible, or somebody else is you start out, or you start out just average. Like you know, you're two and four, two and five, two and six, something like that. You know, you just you just know you're not really going far. Mm-hmm. But you know, the a team like uh, let me let me get let me think of someone well, who might first thing, the first thing that team. came to mind for me was Minnesota. You know, just because Dalvin Cook's gone. Team and like Minnesota, they like, like you know Alexander what? Madison. Is he going to be your starter all season for you to depend on? We're five and two, and we're we're you know I think we're making moves. Let's let's add a another offensive weapon, or you have you know maybe later in the season Miami is 
is making moves, and maybe they make the deal then. But I don't know about a preseason move. A team just came to my mind. Dallas. I don't know I how think, you're gonna. I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, but a team just came to my mind. Like somebody in the NFC South? No, 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 no. But why wouldn't the Rams try to make a move? Because the Rams are gonna go full rebuild. They, 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 they are not adding pieces. They just got draft picks. I know, but they still got Cooper Cup. They still got Stafford. You know, for at least another year. You're or two, more. You know? I think they're more likely to move Cooper Cup to a team that is like just hypothetically say Carolina. Oh, say Carolina. Okay. Say Carolina is like actually they're doing all right. You know, they're like you know what. Cooper Cup's available. Let's get this weapon in here for Bryce Young. You know, something like that. I mean, Grant, I know it's far-fetched, but it would have to be a move. I think I think a lot of teams are going to be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline because if we – like, as we've done all these previews, it's only a couple of teams, even with Kansas City being the quote-unquote favorite. They're the favorite because their quarterback is just a few notches above – Everybody his contemporaries else. right it's not because their skill position players are if if he had the skill position like if he had chicago's wide receiver core in kansas city along with travis kelsey you were like this it's just this is bananas but chicago <laughs> has it and it doesn't it doesn't feel quite the same because right justin fields isn't on the level of mahomes so i think a lot of teams are going to be in that kind of position where it's gonna be. I'm gonna say well, one team might start off seven and one, six and one, but for the most part, you're gonna have a lot of teams in that five and three range after eight games. Could a could a not so good team trade for him with the for Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, somebody like say Tampa. Tampa doesn't run the ball enough. I know, but they might need to. <laughs> so that's so that's the thing is like I didn't want to say Arizona because you know that's just Arizona's you know. in a full rebuild, right? Right. So I, didn't I think they're go there. I think they're gonna bomb all their games, move Kyler Murray in all season, draft Caleb Williams. Sounds stupid. I don't know who's gonna take on Kyler Murray's contract, but somebody will. Somebody's gonna probably make that move. I doubt it'd be Dallas. I'm pretty sure they're gonna resign Dak, but. Someone's going to need to make a move. Maybe Tampa Bay after this year, and they make the yeah. move and get Kyler Murray to, to uh, down to Florida. So, like, that's the thing. Like, so you you need a trade partner. New England just picked up Zeke, which he could potentially, with him and whoever they have in their running back room, give Kansas you the uh, city. Do they trade for running backs though? Because we no, they don't. But I mean, but but then again, like a running back like this isn't always out there every day either. Yeah, but I think if they made a trade, they would make the Cooper Cup trade. Okay. <laughs> because you can survive with Pacheco, McKinnon, Edwards Hilaire, and some guy you bring off the practice squad for two or three weeks because Mahomes going to throw the ball 48 to 52 times. Denver? Denver, because they would be one of those teams that might be 
five and three, four and three at the just feel you know, like near, near the trade deadline. We need something to get us over the hump for these next nine weeks. Uh, you think about the Deuce McAllister, Reggie Bush combination that Sean Payton had back in the day. That's that put because people didn't think Reggie Bush was going to be a good back, but pairing him with Deuce McAllister. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that might have been the early stages of that running back by committee design. I don't think he. I don't think he was the. the I don't think it no, was the first I, team. I to mean, do yeah, it. but yeah, it was around that time. You had like a, I think the the first one that stands out to me is like Fred Taylor and uh, Maurice Maurice Jones, Jones Drew, but it might have been. So that's 06. Reggie was yeah. 06 after Katrina. Katrina was 05. They had one bag. They had the one year, right? So it was mm-hmm. like Reggie Bush. Because I was in, because I was in Korea when the national championship game was played, Texas USC. So that was January 06. So Reggie Bush got drafted that year. So him and Drew Brees do some calcer. So that was 06. Mm-hmm. I think the Fred Taylor. Maurice Jones Drew was around that same time. Is uh is Washington too far gone to try to get Jonathan Taylor? Their division's too good for the trade to be impactful this year, I think. Because I think mm-hmm. the three other teams in their division are mm-hmm. set. So I don't know. I don't know if you would move that unless, like I said, unless the Giants slip and Dallas, you know, just struggles early because they have new offensive coordinator and maybe Dak is still throwing picks. Yeah. Maybe you make that move. But I think they mm-hmm. like I think they like their running back core with Gibson and Robinson. I mean, the dude took a bullet and came back in a couple of weeks. So I know, but he's I'm like not- that. He's he's t- like for my liking, he's two, three yards in a cloud of dust. But you know. Hey, like Three and a half yards per play is a first down. And no matter how you slice it, first down, second down, third down, three and a half yards per play will give yeah, you. Yeah, but the end zone is down. like but the end zone is like 80 hey, yards away. 17 yard, <laughs> seven, 17 play drive. You know, 17 what, plays. You know what I'm saying? What else on your mind about the NFL? What's going on around the league? What else? Is Joe Burrow gonna get paid? Yeah, because rumor has it the Cincinnati Bengals don't have they don't have an indoor facility. The top high school in the Cincinnati area in Ohio area has one. (laughs) So think about that. They got Kentucky across the border. (laughs) Top the top high school in the in Ohio, like those top high schools, have indoor facilities because. You're by the Great Lakes. It gets cold. Right. You need you need one. Like you need an indoor. It doesn't even have to be that big. Remember the bubble at Hill? Mm-hmm. They could have something like that, just a little bit bigger. You could still you could put it next to the facility where all it is is just a field. You can yeah, put all the training room and everything. My walk else. test at. Yo. I used to get behind corners. the tennis court and run. Like get back, get my heart rate up a little bit. <laughs> I remember one out guy, there, y'all. His, uh, <laughs> he failed the test because his little number came off, and he ran back to get it. And he, like, you know, he failed it by a couple of seconds. They That's use it as they use it as a justification to let him retest. <laughs> yeah, but people used to say, "Oh, the bubble, man, it's like running at altitude." Because if people don't know, like Utah is like the base is like forty nine hundred feet, 
and the cutoff for at altitude waiver for your PT test was 5,000 feet, but there was no base between like 40, like 4,000 and it was like nobody else. It just was yeah. Utah at 4,972 and then like base like Wyoming and Peterson in Colorado. Yeah, Wyoming was I'm like, like 6,200. Why wasn't the cutoff hill? Because right. there's nothing else. There's nothing else that was even close. So I was like, who made this? But yeah, so around the league. Come on, Jake. I'm like it. There you I'm, go. Midfield, baby. Sorry. I'm a, I want yeah, you're a little streak. bit ahead of me. No, I just want this streak. Like, you know, I'm from Baltimore. People stop talking but, about it. but I'm not a Ravens fan. So, like, you know, this is just my moment. Battle of the Beltway here. This might be the only thing I get to cheer about this year. Okay. What what did I what did I hear you know, before? B. John looked good the other day. He does. He does. I like. I like I said, I bought Madness, my birthday gift to myself every year, and I have it set up to where Cordero's my starter, Bijan's my third down back, Tyler Algier is my power back. So different formations, the third down back, like shotgun, the third down back is your primary back. So like when I go right. through, so I'm like, you know, if if they keep it like this, it, it might work out. Um, but I, I heard something today. We don't talk about a lot of the popular teams that people talk about on TV today. But I was watching First Things First, Greg Jennings, Nick Wright, Kevin Wiles, Chris Broussard, and Jerry Jones talking to Dallas Super Bowl or bus season. And the question was, if the Cowboys make it to the NFC Championship game, would that be considered a disappointing season? Chris Broussard's argument was yes, because they have this expectation of getting to the Super Bowl, even though they're talent, like you know, historically they haven't been there. But this, this, this perennial expectation of getting to the Super Bowl and NFC Championship game would be considered a disappointment. Nick Wright said no because they haven't been there in 25, 26 years. Yeah, that's years. my answer. So it shouldn't be it shouldn't be considered a disappointment if they made an NFC Championship game and lost. Well, lost NFC well, well, well you have game. to well you have to make the NFC Championship game to make the Super Bowl. So you know, so for me, that's how I view it. Is it's not a disappointment because for one, the last time you made the NFC Championship game was when you won that Super Bowl twenty seven or twenty eight years ago. So you know, um, at this point. You just got to get the monkey off the back to show that you can get that close, you know, um, because most of the pressure that comes with being the Cowboys is media. I mean, obviously, Jerry puts the pressure out there, but the media runs with it. So it's not internal of like, you know, Dak Prescott walks in the locker room and says, guys, this is our year. Like, boom or bust. Like His quote, his quote was pretty ridiculous because they read they read they read half of it. And it was a lot like the Giannis quote, you know, we know we got, you know, the pieces, you know, we want to play hard, so forth and so on. Like, that was the first part that they read, and they talked for about a minute. And then someone was like, hey, you didn't read the second part of Jerry's quote, which was, yeah, but I think we do have the pieces to win a championship. We have the team. We got the defense. We got the quarterback. So, like, he said the beginning part of, like, this is going to be a successful season. We know we haven't been there in a while, yada, 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 all of that, you know, blah, 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 blase, blase. And then he went to the, but, yeah, we got everything we need to make it to the Super Bowl. 
So I do think that an NFC championship, not necessarily be a disappointment, but it will be viewed as a disappointment. Yes, and it the will sub- be viewed the, the subsequent a, moves yeah. by the subsequent feeling of the fans. I think the fans will be disappointed. And I think the team postseason decisions, offseason decisions will be representative of a team that feels it, disappointed. I don't think be, they'll run it back. It will be disappointed based off of who the topic is. You know, but realistically, in a real world, it wouldn't be a disappointment. It's just that, just like just like the Knicks, same thing. I always say, like, if the Knicks made the Eastern Conference Finals and lost. But the like, Knicks never have a real, the Knicks, the Knicks have. Uh, okay, if the Lakers get child, to the Childlike optimism. They have the, childlike optimism in, in, in New York, but there's not the, real expectation because the they don't have the players. If the Lakers get to the Western Conference Finals this year and lose again. I don't think it's a disappointment just because your best player is like a 38, about to be 39 year old dude. So yeah. for the fact that he, you even he would made be retired it, if he joined the Air Force, yeah, the year so, he joined the league, He'd yeah. So for the fact that right you now. even made it there is an accomplishment within itself. You know what I mean? Like, but so, but like, obviously, with all the attention, with all the media, with all the cameras and lights, it'll be considered to be a disappointment appointment because everybody's focused on you like you, you know? think the team would think i think every player who doesn't win a championship which is a lot thousands of players don't win the championship every year in these four now five major sports how mls you don't win it all so oh good oh he did he fumble with no that? like i think that so i, mean, I, I think th- it'll be it'll be viewed like like i said it'll be viewed as a disappointment but who really has championship expectations in the NFL the, right the now? NFL right so, now. So right now, I would say Philadelphia, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and then you can Why add San, you can you can add San Francisco to that. You know, well, I say Buffalo just because they were literally on the doorstep. You know, they went into Arrowhead. Took the lead with 13 seconds to go. Mahomes did his magician thing. They got the overtime. And but that wasn't the AFC championship game. No, it wasn't. But you know, but I think but I think so. That, how did they how did how does Buffalo get championship because aspirations? I think, because I think and they I, haven't been to the AFC think, championship game. Even because, though these last three years, people have been trying to put them in the Super Bowl. Because I think that in sports. There's teams and measuring sticks and matchups that you play. So, like, for example, you know what I mean? Like, if you're in, say, if you're Penn State and you win the Big Ten, but you lost to Ohio State or Michigan, you just feel a certain way about it. Like, it still doesn't feel great because you still lost to one of those teams. Whereas Buffalo, Kansas City is the big bully on the block. You know what I mean? So you feel Toronto Raptors, right? LeBron is in our way. Buffalo probably feels like, yo, Kansas City is like, if we beat Kansas City, if they won that game, they might feel like they already got a Super Bowl. Do you so think they, so they came why in, they, lo- they lost to Cincinnati? Because they have this. No, they un- lost to Cincinnati because Cincinnati was tougher than them. 
Cincinnati just came in there and punched them in the mouth in their own stadium and their because own you weather. Think they were looking forward to potentially playing Kansas City back at Arrowhead or at a neutral I think, site I think that, or whatever I think it was that probably, to be. I think that probably had a lot to do with it. I think they went into that game. I think they went into last season with the thought of Kansas City is the only team that can knock us out. That can challenge us. I think they went into the season with that. And I think a lot of people that picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl went into the season with that thought. Because of the game at Arrowhead. I think a lot of people were like, and then during the regular season, they went into Arrowhead and won last year. And they defeated the Super Bowl champions by three touchdowns in their place on opening night. So I think that as a... They beat they beat the brakes off the Rams last year. I was yeah. watching. I was watching like I'm just gambling my money away watching the Rams get torched. But that was a sign of things to come in regards to the so, so, uh, the Rams season. So so that's why I think that as a Buffalo fan or you know a player within that locker room, like I'm sure there's like the coach speak like we take all of our opponents seriously and we, you know, all that stuff, but human nature, like they, they had a couple of games circle. They had some expectations kind of levied yeah. for their team. You know what I mean? So you're and, saying the Chiefs, the Bengals, the bills, the Eagles, San Francisco, San Francisco. Those are know, championship, your five championship robust teams. No, out of the Yeah. 32. Those, those are the teams that I look at and say, they feel disappointed one of if these they don't five win it all. should win the Super Bowl. Like the Super Bowl champion should come from this pool of five teams. Dallas has the talent, you know, to, to be in that conversation. You know what I mean? But I think that they have the glaring holes. So, like when I look at San Francisco, they have a top three defense. You know, right. they're load, they're loaded. Woohoo! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. About the end yeah, of the he hadn't watched preseason. This is the first full preseason game that I've probably watched in like the last three years. But 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 uh but you know um, I can't believe they keep preseason games. San Francisco has San Francisco has Debo Ayuk Kittle. So like you look at it like can Brock Purdy just be serviceable? And San Francisco should be in this conversation. Philly. We saw them dominate. They don't play on turf or else we would call them the new greatest show on turf. You know, and we saw them get to the Super Bowl and get taken out by the field monster. You know what I mean? So so Philly literally feels like if we played in any other stadium, we raised the trophy. They, I mean, they're wrong, they were, but that's how they, they feel. Yeah, they were up 10 points. So they were up 10 points in the yeah. Super Bowl. And, That's how and they I feel, get it, though. But you have the Super Bowl hangover. I just feel now Cincinnati. That, hold on, one, one more thing. Cincinnati yeah. knows they've done it. They went into Arrowhead in the playoffs and walked away with a win, erased the eighteen point deficit, got to the Super Bowl, and was literally a play away. Either that was way, a bad, that was a bad holding call. You the, know, the, that, on it would have been fourth and goal from the nine for the Rams, but. The Rams scoring that touchdown, I won seven hundred fifty dollars in the Super Bowl squares. There you go. So it was bittersweet. I picked but, the Bengals. But you talk about the fourth down play all the time. The fourth down play, you know, the last play of the game, for all intents and purposes. So Cincinnati if they double. If they doubled Aaron Donald, Jamar Chase walks into the end zone. And, and see, and that's the, the thing, right? right? And Joe Burrow's rolling to the right like that's 
So if you're Cincinnati, you walk into the season and you say, screw Kansas City. We went into Arrowhead and won. Like every year, like whenever I see Kansas City, it's on sight. I ain't scared of them. Does Joe Burrow's, you know, leg, knee down injury bother you? Like his these no yes. contact injuries, yes. the calf, the knee. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we grade offensive lines, and maybe that's something that once ESPN hires us, we'll get a staff of people that kind of teaches us information. Well, for, for right now, I just look up uh, Pro Football Focus, and I go off what they say. <laughs> yeah, so it's like because I'm pretty sure some of those offensive lines that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees were behind. I don't know how top rated they were, or the situation of those guys just didn't get sacked, you know. So well, what's well, your, that's what's your up, knock? Well, that's what I brought up Tannehill earlier when we were talking about the division. Like the offensive line is my big question about Tennessee, but I trust that he'll get the ball out of there. He'll make a decision on whether he needs to scramble or not. He'll throw the ball away, whereas Malik Willis will still try to make a play. Levis will try to do the Brett Favre thing. So, so that's why I feel a little bit right. So, so like, so like with Joe Burrow, like I just feel like, like it's concerning. Like, luckily, this one doesn't seem to be as bad as the first one because the first one he was out for the whole season, you know. So this one, but it does concern me, like. You know, like non-contact football injuries is always something that I've heard pundits say for years. Like they are, they are normally, they are. You see that on the screen? You see that? I see the first preseason loss since September 3rd, 2015. Against the Falcons. Of course, ATL, sorry. Um, Like non-contact injuries are the worst, but he was wearing like a leg sleeve. Uh-huh. In that practice, so it was like, was he having this issue before? Why was he out there? And also, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and perfectly right, clear. Right. Uh, I just feel like because he is, he is somewhat as I want to say as important, but the the skill position core in Cincinnati, yes, they have Jamar Chase and T Higgins, but it's not that much different than Mahomes and Kelsey as far as like one of these guys, you know, one guy's missing and you you're like kind of behind the eight ball. Like you're not right. you're not as dynamic as you appear to be on the Madden roster if one of these guys isn't there. Right. Uh I'm not sure about their running game. I don't know if they're like committed to the run or is everyone so committed to throwing 45 and 50 passes a game because you're about to pay guys 265, 267 million dollars. Well they do run mixing um towards the end of last season. He he just his number he just wasn't as good as he was the previous year. You know, uh, but I don't think it's because Cincinnati doesn't trust the run game or anything. Like they run the ball, and I think that's part of what makes them so lethal is that you have to respect their run game. Whereas with Mahomes, Kansas City can run the ball. They surprise. They just you. don't. They, yeah, they just don't do it a lot, so it catches you off guard. And Kansas City is like, let's play basketball on the field. Like I'm gonna have a fast dude come from this angle. I'm gonna have we gonna run the figure eight. With all, with everybody that runs a full four or less, and, and you gotta make a decision. He's gonna throw a seven yard out route. 
Yeah, all you this gotta stuff got to be going on. You, like, yeah, you got to guess where the ball is going to go. Or he's going to check it you, down. Yeah, you're going to check it down to McKinnon or Pacheco. Right, and it's going like to take that. you a half a second to do that. And that's just all the window that he needs. You know, and, you know, whereas with Buffalo, they would be the least out of these five teams that I mentioned that should feel that way because they're the one team that hasn't done it yet. Philly went to the Super Bowl last year. San Francisco went to the NFC Championship game two years ago and went to the Super Bowl prior to that. You know, um, Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl. Kansas City has obviously won these Super Bowls. San Francisco was an NFC Championship game this past season too, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but that's what I'm saying. So Buffalo is the one out of the five that I mentioned that probably should have the least bit of confidence just because they haven't accomplished anything per se yet. But I truly believe that they thought going into the last year that Kansas City, we fear no team but Kansas City. You know what I mean? And then Cincinnati came out there, punched them in the mouth. They were like, yo. We got Cincinnati in our place in the snow. This is Buffalo Bill football. And everybody else was like, hey, yo, y'all can't run the ball, though. It snows in Ohio, too. It's like literally on the other side of the, the right, lake. Right, right. But, but it's like. It's not yo, like you got a team from, you know, Southern California to but, come in and play in the snow. Like it gets close but, but basically, to Ohio as well. Yeah, but basically it was like Cincinnati came in there, punched them in the mouth. You know, as a team that had been in these type of playoff games before and won these type of playoff games, you know what I mean? Buffalo's been in it, but they lost it. You know what yeah. I mean? But I think they came in with that. And you remember, you called me up, like I said it, talking about like, yo, well, why are people putting Josh Allen over Mahomes? And I was like, I ain't saying. Yo, like, it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was. <laughs> It was killing me because, like I said, I'm Mr. Logical. I'm a logical thinker. I'm a, you know, I'm a logical speaker as best as I can. It just didn't make <laughs> any sense to me. And we can we can have this argument. Like, and I said, I sometimes I I, I get to the point where like I'm I badger you for facts to support your argument, right, and it, right. and I come off as condescending because I know a lot of times in those I do I get to that point. When I know you can't give me any facts. So we'll right. go back and forth for five or 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, you're getting me feelings. I'm like, you know, my catchphrase, don't bring feelings to a facts fight. And I'll badge you. And I know, I know it's obnoxious, but I do it because I want to prove a point. Like, listen, don't waste my time with your feelings on stuff that you can support with facts. Right. And my argument for Mahomes and all these other, and the, mainly it was like, uh, you know, the criticism of Mahomes is like, the blind resume, what would you want your quarterback of your team, your favorite team, would you take Mahomes' first now six seasons and say, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, if that was Dak Prescott's six-year run or five-year run at this point because he had the five AFC Championship games in a row mm -hmm. and then he, he sat as a rookie. So that, that five-year stretch – Two Super Bowl MVPs, two league MVPs. Now, matter of fact, this is before the second MVP. This was the first MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, the Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay, and then the, the fourth AFC championship game. So when people were picking and putting Allen and all these other guys ahead of him, I'm like, what are you looking at that says Mahomes is going to fall off? Because the only reason he wasn't getting MVP consideration in those two years that Aaron Rodgers won is because 
they were comparing Mahomes MVP season to his other seasons. Like you don't throw 50 touchdowns every year. Like that's not like a thing that happens. So people are like, oh, he fell off. Like he threw 39 touchdowns and 38 touchdowns and like seven picks. He led the league in yards. I mean, he did everything he was supposed to do, except that they ran the ball a little bit more because it's like I can't keep throwing it because in the Super Bowl. We didn't run it into the cover two. We just kept throwing it, and I got nothing out of it. So yeah, for Patrick two Mahomes, years, Patrick Mahomes won the division, and they was like, "But you ain't make another Illmatic." <laughs> so it just like so. I, I, that's my argument every time. Is like, listen, just tell me that you know you would you wouldn't take that for your favorite quarterback because Skip Bayless was notorious for his criticism. It's like. You love Dak Prescott. His resume is nowhere near as definitive as Patrick Mahomes, but yet you'll, you know, you'll you'll compare him to Tom Brady, who played for twenty years, but he's not there. It's like, well, he's only played for five. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and, played for five years, and it's like, well, he won't well, that's, well, that's Dallas's not problem. Many people will well, that's Dallas's problem. They're talented, and Dak is the ultimate overachiever. But the problem with overachieving at times when it comes to sports is that you run into your match and the truth comes out. And we see that you were an overachiever and you got here. Their match is that their offensive coordinator was vanilla, very unseasoned chicken kind of a play caller. They had talent. They had CD, you know, CD Lamb, Gallup, Pollard. Dalton Schultz, Zeke, Dak, they had all these bodies on offense, but nothing was creative about it. They weren't exciting. Yeah, it just was like... They weren't fast. Like, they weren't... Deep routes, post routes, crossing routes, big routes. (coughs) But the the point being is that, like, when Dak has to make... And I don't want to do the thing, but, you know, when Dak has to make the play, sometimes there's a lot to be desired. You know, with his decision making, with you know, just the team in general, like the whole. Some team. of those interceptions hit dudes right in their chest. No, they did. They did. You know what I mean? Like, but like as Stephen A. says, you know, accident waiting to happen. Like Dallas just has these moments, and I don't know if it's mental and psychological where they feel that outside pressure that we're talking about. So like they get tight, or you know, as Bomani Jones would say. They get the lemon pepper booty, you know, the lemon booty, you know, like, you know, just start dripping out just Pucker a little bit. Up. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if that's a true thing where Dallas more than most teams just feel these moments of we got this right. Cause like, cause like you, there's some things you can't explain like the Tony Romo hold on the extra point. You can't explain that, you know, when you that, don't think that, about it. You just that you not give like it. as a, as a player, you just simply, you just catch that ball. You've done it. Muscle memory. You've done it. You've done it ninety-five times a week in practice, or whatever the case. However many kicks the kicker kicks throughout the week, you've done it all year long. Or like when, Extra. or Dak, like you, we talked about it earlier. Dak not giving the ball to the ump. You because know, against San just, Francisco, because you call a, a draw play. I thought it. I thought it was a. I thought it was a good play call if they had 27 seconds. Yeah, yeah, they needed they needed or even if they just had five more seconds than they had. Yeah, like they needed they needed a little bit more time for that play to work. Right. 
it was a good call. I agree. But you know what I mean? Ill got me talking nice about them. But but you know, but like, but yeah, if he would have gave them a good the team, ball, they went 24 and 10 the last two years. Okay, we get it. We get it. Enough. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll but, take but, that. <laughs> but I'm if he, 14 but if he, and, I'm 14 and 20 over here, just suffering. But if he gave the ball to the ump, they would have got another play. Still not likely that they would have won the game. But that's just like one of those moments of like, this is Dallas. You know what I mean? Or you know, uh, the, the interception last year against San Francisco. Like, there's just all these moments. The Aaron Rodgers rollout pass to the tight end. Like Mason Crosby, that, you know. That's not – that throw is not – that throw is not supposed to be completed. Right. Like, it just – like, it's it's a play that should, shouldn't be possible. And I don't think and Jared Cook did dude, anything since. And this one dude made it happen. And then Aaron Rodgers comes out the next week against Atlanta and puts up a complete dud. He made probably the throw of the year. The throw of ever. Like <laughs> a week, a week before, rolling to his left, into the game, trying to get his team in field goal position to a tight end on a scramble, and then to beat Dallas. And it looks just like Dallas is never going to get over the hump. And then that same guy comes out the following week and just threw, lays an egg. And Dallas is like, yeah, we would have had this NFC championship game at home because Atlanta would have had to go to Jerry World. Well, see, even in that same game, and I can't remember, I want to say Dallas jumped on Green Bay in that game. Yeah, they were up. And Aaron, like the Packers, had 11, to come back. 11 or 13 or 10 or 13, something like they were up, they were up and they were, yeah. And you could even argue, and you could still even argue, even with Aaron Rodgers making that throw, you can argue that Dak outplayed him in that game, you know. Absolutely. So, so that's what I'm saying. So, like, so, like, you know, I like, wanted Dallas to win, but then as a Falcons fan, I was like. You know what? I'd rather have NFC Championship because I was I was big on like I really liked Dak. I thought Dak was getting a lot more heat because that was only his second year, I believe. Something like no, that. May, no, it might have been his rookie year. That was 2016, 2017. So it might have been his rookie year. Yeah. And I just been. liked him. I just I just I just liked him. I thought he was dope. I liked the story. Um but th- but this is but like like I don't but know. I was glad to have the, ASC, the NFC championship game in Atlanta. But this was Dak in college too, you know, like play against Ole Miss, you know, look like a first or second round pick. You line him up against Bama, you know, like you like, hey, is this his first time touching a football? And and, and I mean, obviously that's not fair because we're talking about Alabama. But but it, I'm just making a point, like you know, just like um. Andrew Luck, it was the same. Like, some people just have these matchups like that. You know, Andrew yeah. Luck in college looked like Peyton Manning reincarnated. But couldn't Un- Until you put Oregon on the other side of the field. And it was, it was like pick nothing six you central. Do about it. it was pick six central. Uh, Jamarcus Russell, that was my big knock on him. Everybody talked about his arm. And, and, I, and I told everybody, I said, but whenever he plays a team with equal or better talent, it don't look like that. You know, there was a game against Tennessee that came to my mind that I would always, you know, uh, talk about and bring up. Like, so, so like, there was just certain things. So, like, Dallas has to be honest of what Dak is. Dak is a good quarterback. Dak is not elite. Dak is not – I don't know if I want to call him top ten, but, like, 
You know what I mean? But like he's not he's not that echelon of quarterback. He's, like when, he's a, he's an upper tier quarterback, but not top tier. Yeah, top like, like one one guy's top tier. Then you well, got a couple it's like guys on people. two and a few guys on three. He's in that range. Well, it's like I tell people about the Hall of Fame. Eight eight to you eleven. Know, it's like it's like when you talk about the Hall of Fame. And you know, me and Black Adam used to always get into this argument, you know, because I used to say Peyton Manning, John Elway, Philip Rivers. One of these is not like the other, you know, when it comes to Hall of Fame. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so like when I go, like, and obviously last year was a bad season, but when I'm like Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Dak, one of these is not like the other. And that's not an insult. Like, like he's just not as good as they are, which which doesn't make him bad. They're just great. And, he's and one of thirty two guys that have that job in the world, right? And and that's <laughs> and that's the point that I try to tell people about these Hall of Fames because people will retort back and say, "Well, of course Philip Rivers or whoever doesn't stand out if you're comparing him to Peyton Manning and this." And I'm like, "But this is the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like, you should get compared. To you should be compared to who's in, in your the Hall era. of Fame." You people I mean? from your era that are in the Hall of Fame, right? Be and, the and, and exact people you compare and, to. And, so and the guys in I, the league right now should be the guys that Dak is compared to. And if, right. and if he's eleven or twelve, that's fine. It's like, but I've seen a lot of, I've seen a handful of top ten rankings. I don't know if they're projected rankings, right? Going into this season, or right. they based off of last season, last year, yeah. But Dak is ahead of a lot of guys. They got Dak around like seven. You know, you know, six, seven, eight, and this and is why yeah, Dallas like ends Lawrence. up in these situations because Trevor Lawrence is like nine or ten. Daniel Dimes wasn't in that range. I think Jalen Hurts. I think people, everyone has people Jalen Hurts fighting that too. People get up for them, and it's stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like not not bulletin board material, but you know what I mean. But people get tired of hearing about Dallas and you know turning on like so so like the Yankees, like you know like the teams in your league. You just get up for certain teams because they are that team. And, and you know, so, like, when I look at this, being white, Adam, you know, used to have this conversation about Russell Wilson, where, like, he thought Russell Wilson was just, like, going to light the league on fire and do all these things. And I'm not saying that he wasn't a very good quarterback. But, you know, but it was the same thing to me where I was like, he has talent. He has heart. You know, he's the little engine that could, but he ain't like that. Like, he ain't like Tom Brady. He ain't like Mahomes. He ain't like Burrow. He ain't like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but he ain't even necessarily the talent that Herbert has, you know, in some ways. So, 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 you know, like, it's just one of those things. Herbert, Herbert's one of those guys that, you know, people want to be, they want him to be great, but. Right. He's just really good. He's a good quarterback. And I, yeah, and he's I a really good quarterback. Like and he's still you, young. There's great. And then there's really good. And then there's good. And, and he's still not, young. He may with, get yeah. to that point. He may get to that point. We just have to let him. You know, instead of, you know, trying to, like, because that's the thing, right, in, in, in the sports world or whatever, everybody's always trying to find the next. Like you can't everyone appreciate wants, everyone wants to say they don't really want to look for it. They just want to say who's next. That way, yeah. They can, Everybody wants they can to be first to the party. They're short saying like, "Oh, I, I said I called this three years ago when they drafted Tua over Herbert." Yeah, just like Stuff whoever, like just like whoever said Imani Bates was 
the best high school prospect since LeBron knew he had little arms. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> like they knew it. They knew he couldn't shoot that good. Like, you know what I mean? But it was just the thing to say. You know, just like, uh, you know, now, you know, Scoot. I like Scoot, you know, from what I've seen so far. I like his attitude and everything. But everybody's already comparing him to John Morant. So, so then when he comes out here, hypothetically, and averages 12 and 6 on like 37% shooting, and then we point that out, we're going to be called haters. And it's like, well, no, y'all put that expectation on him. Yeah. So like, it's, you know, it's, it's all about managing expectations. And honestly, like, that's that's the thing is, like, quantify, qualify your expectations with if if I, as a fan of the Falcons, I think they could win 10 games because controlling the ball. But I have to be hopeful that Ritter and the passing game expand a little bit. But if it doesn't, then I have to be realistic and expect another seven to ten year because they've been back to back seven to ten years. Fourteen to twenty is you know two years as a head coach in Atlanta. So right. they're back to back subpar, mediocre seasons. Have whatever you know adjective you want to apply to it. But if they're passing the ball and they're spreading it out four wide, five wide, getting the backs involved, so forth and so on getting Scotty Miller involved from the slot as a speed guy, then I'm like, okay, cool. My my hopes of 10 wins are still intact. But if they are still running that same stuff they've been running the last couple of years, I'm like, okay, my realistic tone will set in. It was like, okay, well, we're going to go 7 to 10. You're like, shit, we're going to lose the Washington again. You know? Yeah, why? I don't know why they threw the ball inside the 10-yard line in the rain with the clock yes. rain. I just was like, why are you throwing the ball if you just – they could have ran it two more times – and it would have been no time on the clock. <laughs> yes. One, another thing, I'm just sitting <laughs> on my couch just wondering, like, yo, why am I here and not on the sideline with a hoodie on call, please? Because I got to be doing better than him. Right. Yo. So. Yo, but on that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> me all proud of you know what I'm saying? You got to take the digs when you can get them. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Out here ending eight-year preseason winning streaks, you know what I mean? So, like, hey, 2-5. He is Mr. Logical, the one and only. We are Sports Reports is ordered. We will be back on Thursday with some college football talk. We're going to give you our Power 5 winners. I might talk Mr. Logical into talking about a little bit of G5, too. You know what I'm saying? We're going to give you our playoff picks, you know, and then we'll go from there. Peace. Holla.